All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Today what we're doing is we're actually going to be beginning a new series, and that new series is called More of You, God. And as we're celebrating today a very special moment that we are finally able in the city of Chicago to come back together as a church community and worship the Lord together. Worship to the Lord together. What we want you to know is that we're looking forward to continuing these virtual services as well. As we've seen that the God of heaven and earth has been able to utilize this as a vehicle and a tool to help serve more of our community, both locally and extra locally. We want to continue to preach the word of God and allow people who otherwise may not have had opportunity to enter through the church doors or weren't yet comfortable entering through those church doors, but wanted to start to seek God and learn about God and the good news that's found in his son, Jesus Christ. We want to continue to do that through our virtual space, but at the same time, give people the encouragement to come back together again. Even as we have the opportunity and the privilege after a year and a half of the pandemic, shutting down major aspects of our city, what we want to do is once again honor God and say, God, you are to be glorified by your people and be, um, be pleased with the worship that you receive, even as we come together in person. So if you have the opportunity, please join us in those moments. But again, if you are unable or this is uh, supplemental for you, continue to meet us here in this place because we want to continue to deliver and uh, serve the word of God to you. Now today what we're doing is in celebration of us reconvening our time together. As we say, God, we want more of you. What we want to do is we want to reiterate and refocus on that which God has called us to be and to do as the church of Jesus Christ. What has God called us to be and to do as the church of Jesus Christ? And one of the clearest pictures of what we are to be and to do is found in the book of Acts. And if you're unfamiliar with the scripture, we have first in the New Testament, the four gospels of Jesus Christ, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all written to different audiences and all written by different followers of Jesus, giving different perspectives of the same event, much like if you saw an accident in a, or a crime scene, but you and multiple others saw different aspects of the same event, you would report different parts of it to tell the same story. And what we see is that one of those gospel writers, one of those biographers, was a man named Luke. And Luke was a Gentile physician. And as a matter of fact, he was the only Gentile writer, non-Jewish writer of the Gospels. And he wrote as a master historian by the commission of a benefactor named Theophilus. And Theophilus, having heard of Jesus and having heard of all of the miracle signs and wonders and the great feats that this Jesus who was called the Messiah had done in his time and amongst his people. He wanted an orderly account of that which he had heard about so he would know the veracity of those claims. And so Luke wrote two books. The first was the Gospel of Luke. 
the Gospel of Luke, which you might have heard of before, and then his second was the Book of Acts, which was the early history of the Church of Jesus Christ. After Jesus lived the sinless life on the earth that the Gospels record, performing signs, wonders, and miracles, and then sacrificially went to the cross to die for the wrongdoing that all of us had committed against the holy and righteous God to take the punishment that we deserve. He rose from the dead, according to the scripture, three days later, and then inevitably ultimately ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven. But before he did that, in Acts chapter 1, he gave instruction to the church about who they were to be, and what they were to do. And that's what we're going to focus on today as we start this series. Who were to be and what were to do as recorded in Acts, which was the earliest account of the history of the Church of Jesus Christ. So who were to be and what were to do can be found in Acts chapter 1, and how were to do it. Who were to be, what were to do, and how were to do it. And we're going to dive into that today, but before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us to instruct us, not only in who you are, but to show us how to love you, live for you, and do what you said to do by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we're asking you that you would empower us today, even in this virtual space, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's get into his word today. What we're doing is we're saying, God, we want more of you. But we want to know very clearly, even as we celebrate this reemergence of the church of Jesus Christ all across the world, being able to get back together again in person and celebrate together and do the works of God together, not just through Zoom, as great as it is, not just through a virtual space, but also in person as well. We want to see what Jesus instructed us and what he called us to be, what he called us to do and then ultimately how he called us to do it. So if you have a Bible today, open with me to Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, In the first book, O Theophilus, and again, Theophilus was that benefactor sponsoring Luke, the writer of Acts, to write this second book, The History of the Church. He said in in the first book, again referring to the Gospel of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so here we see very clearly this last encounter that the apostles had with Jesus after his resurrection. And here it's important to note some of the last physical person-to-person in the flesh instructions that he gave to them prior to his ascension to the right hand of the Father so that the people of God, not only the apostles, but those who were with them and those who would come after them, even millennia later, like you and I today, would know who the people of God were to be, what they were to do, and how they were to do it. Who they were to be, what they were to do, and how they were to do it, even as our cry in worship is, God, we want more of you. So let's start by opening the scripture. It says, who we are to be. If we look through this example of scripture, what Jesus clearly said is that after his resurrection from the dead, his job was not finished, but his job would be continued through the church. Jesus was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God during his earthly ministry. And the kingdom of God was basically an ex- an, an explanation and a declaration of God's rulership over all creation. Meaning that God was Lord and creator of heaven and earth and that he came, he was coming through his son again to speak and declare his dominion over every human life and over all the earth once again. Matter of fact, whenever you think about his miracles, not only were the miracles of Jesus when he opened blind eyes and he opened deaf ears and he raised people from the dead, not only were they expressions of his compassion, his care, and his love towards those whom he touched, but it was also a powerful declaration that God had dominion or authority over all his creation. When he supernaturally opened blind eyes or he supernaturally opened deaf ears, what he was doing is he was proclaiming, I am Lord over all my creation. When he walked on water or changed water into wine, when he spoke to storms, commanded them to cease, and they stilled themselves. When he multiplied fish and loaves and fed thousands of people at a time. What Jesus was doing was proclaiming his dominion over all creation. He was exclaiming who he was, his kingdom, his rulership. He said, I am creator, ruler of heaven and earth, and now I've come to take my rightful place in ruling your life. Ultimately, what that means is that we'll all stand before God in death or at his return in judgment, giving an account for our lives before God. And the kingdom of God means that if we are found in Christ because we've turned away from our wrongdoing, turning away from what the Bible calls sin, and given ourselves to the commands of God and put our faith in Jesus Christ, who lived perfectly for us, 
died sacrificially for us and rose victoriously for us. If we put our faith in what he's done for us, then we've come into the kingdom under his rulership, into his benevolence as the Lord of heaven and earth. And when the kingdom of he comes in power in his kingdom, it will be to meet him as not only a child, but as a friend. And that's the good news of the gospel. And what we're to be is we're to be witnesses of this. Verse 8, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they found themselves at the time of this writing, in Judea, which was the broader area or the broader region, territory, in which they found themselves, Samaria, a little bit further than that, maybe their domestic territory, and the ends of the earth, going to the peoples and the nations of the earth, that the whole world might know that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see, that is who Jesus, prior to his ascension, after his death, burial, and resurrection, said the church is to be. You are to be those who are part of my kingdom, fulfilling my kingdom purposes by the commands that, uh, that govern my kingdom. And you are to be witnesses, not only of my death, burial, and resurrection, but of my ultimate return, where every man, woman, and child will give an account for their lives before me. So number one, what Jesus Christ said we are to be as worshipers of the one true God are witnesses of his death, burial, resurrection, and ultimate return. Proclaimers, heralds of his return that's to come. Now, what we're to do, what we're to do to be those witnesses is preach this good news. What that means is that every man, woman, and child who is a follower of Jesus, Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, when he was talking to some of his earliest disciples, he said, come and follow me. Which is anyone who calls himself a Christian, that is what you're called to do. You're called to follow Jesus, the resurrected king over this kingdom. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so what Jesus says is that as we follow him, we are going to be fishing for other people to bring them into this same kingdom as we are witnesses of his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, people say, well, that's good. I want to be a witness of his death, burial, and resurrection, but I wasn't there. I haven't seen it myself. Well, here's the good news. You are a witness in two ways. Number one, you are a witness by the power of his changed life in you. That when you came to Jesus, he made you a new creation, saying that the old has gone and that the new has come. That previously you are a slave to sin. Now you are set free and living in the life and the liberty of God. And you are testifying. You are a witness of the freedom that he's produced in your soul. If you are a drunkard before, the fact that you are no longer bound by alcoholism is a testimony. And you are a witness of that. If you are violent before, you are now a testimony of God's peace. If you are full of lust and a 
adultery before, you are now a testimony of God's purity, righteousness, and uh, plutonic holy love with members of the opposite sex. You are a witness by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, changing the very nature of who you are, conforming you day by day to be like Christ. That's number one. But you are also a witness of the historic news that's been reported by eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection by his word. You are a witness by being a proclaimer of God's word. You're reporting the facts. You're reporting what Jesus has said. You're reporting what Jesus has done. And that is what that is the example that Luke the historian set for us in this Gospel of Acts. He said again in verse 1, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving the instructions by the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he's chosen. So what was Luke doing? He was reporting about what Jesus said and what he did. Where can you find that? You can find that in the Bible. You can find that in his word. And when you're a witness, you are one who is teaching others that which God has himself taught you by his word. This is ver the very essence and nature of discipleship found in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus said, this is the instruction that I give to my followers. Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. That is the instruction that Jesus gave to his followers. And it continues to this day that we would go into all the world and make disciples of all the people groups in our city and beyond, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says this powerful thing that just like he was with them, even after his ascension into heaven, so he is with us always to the very ends of the age. But how, you might ask, how is Jesus with me always, even to the very end of the age? Well, I don't see him in the flesh. I'm not able to touch him. I'm not able to have a drink with him. I'm not, I'm not able to do the things that the disciples back in the day were able to do. Well, that's a powerful thing about this book of Acts, because it shows, in fact, how God was with the people of God so that they could be who he called them to be, witnesses. They could do what he called them to do, preach this gospel. And he told them that he would be with them, and it was the how of how they were to do it. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God in his very nature is triune. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Three persons, one God. And God the Father is just as much God as Christ the Son, who is just as much God as the Holy Spirit. 
And when Jesus ascended in heaven, he said, it is better for you that I go, because unless I go, I cannot send to you the gift my Father promised, who is the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, who will remind you of all things that I've told you, who will teach you all truth, taking from what's mine, making known it known to you by my word, and then empowering you to do the very same things that I've been doing, and greater, he said, because I'm going to the Father. You see, when Jesus said, I'm calling you to be witnesses, I'm calling you to do what I do, preach this gospel, I'm also calling you to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we see again. He says in verse 5, for John meaning John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, baptized you with water. And that word baptized was a word that meant immersed, to dunk somebody under the water. It's as if they were metaphorically being buried in their old life of sin and being raised by the, their faith and the power of God cleansed into new life. It says, just as you were baptized by John, with water, Jesus said to these disciples, you will be baptized, immersed with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And if you continue to read in the account of Acts, when you look at Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost was what that was reporting. The culmination and the fulfillment of Jesus' words, that they would be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And what's significant about this is that this is not the what, it's not, it's not the who we're to be, it's not the what we're to do, but it's the how we're to do it. And it's so significant that Jesus told disciples who had walked with him, learned from him, listened to him, seen him in action for the past three years prior to his crucifixion. They were up close and personal. They had the inside scoop. But to them, Jesus said, don't even try to do what I'm saying to do until you receive the gift from my Father, the Holy Spirit who will immerse you in power so that you can be my witnesses. Witnesses of not just, like Luke says, what I've taught, but also what I've done. And witnesses in such a way that you don't just proclaim what I've done, but that by that same Holy Spirit, you begin to do the things that I do have done as well. Because it will be me doing them through you. So we have the who we're to be, witnesses. We have the what we're to do, proclaiming his gospel, what we've seen and heard of Jesus what we've, what Jesus did and what he taught, proclaiming this word, giving the good report about not only our changed lives, but what Jesus has done by his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead, but we're to verify those claims by what God himself does by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. And whenever Jesus was speaking in John chapter 14, he actually said this very specific thing. 
to help them know what that would look like. Jesus first started by saying this, let not your hearts be troubled. In John 14, verse 1, believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. See, Jesus was already speaking of the same things that he reiterated in Acts chapter 1. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Well, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, another one of the twelve disciples, said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, uh, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so Jesus here is talking about the how. In the very same way that Jesus the Son was saying, listen, you can know that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father by the works that I do. It's an evidence, it's a testimony to the fact that Jesus is in fact the unique Son of God. One person of the Trinity. That's why Jesus said, anyone who's seen, the um, seen me has seen the Father. And that was a unique relationship that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had. And Jesus is declared as the head of his kingdom and church. But as he's the head, those who belong to him and follow him as disciples are part of his body. And as we're part of his body, he invites us to share in the life and also the works that he does. Just as Jesus 
shared in the life and the works of the Father, Jesus now invites those who follow him to share in his life, eternal life, and the works that he did by the same Spirit that he did them, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus said, don't even try to do what I'm saying to do. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift my Father has given you. Why? Because he'll come on you in power, and in power you will be a witness. A witness of what? Of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection life. That Jesus is no longer dead, but alive, and calls people in repentance and faith to himself to not only experience his goodness, his compassion, his mercy, and his grace, but his life-transforming power. He says, when my people begin to lay hands on the sick and they are healed, when they begin to prophesy things that God himself knows, only knows, and they come to pass, when they begin to minister to people in such a way that they speak to demons tormenting them and they're delivered from those demons, what we see is that it's a witness to the life, miracles, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and his kingdom that is coming. And it reiterates not only what we're to be as the church, but what we're to do proclaiming his good news and how we're to do it by the same power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus operated in during his earthly ministry. And so as we begin this series talking about God, we want more of you. We're going to focus on these things. God, I want more of you being who you've called me to be, doing what you've called me to do, and in the way, by the power of the Holy Spirit, how you've called me to do it. And so we're going to dive into God's Word more and more as we go through this series this week, but I want to end in prayer today by giving people an opportunity for two things. Number one, if you've never come into His kingdom and you know that you would stand before God in judgment, and he would have to pronounce death and hell over you because of your rebellion against him. Now is your opportunity to turn in faith to Christ and put your trust in what he's done for you on the cross that you might receive forgiveness and be made a new creation in him. I want to pray first for those people. And then secondly, I want to pray for believers who've already put their trust in Christ, but they say, God, I want to do what you've said to do in the way that you've said to do it, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I want to be immersed in your Holy Spirit, baptized in your Holy Spirit today. I want to pray secondly for you. So let me first pray for those who want to give their lives to Christ today. If that's you, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner. And I know that if I were to stand before you today, I would deserve death and hell. But I don't want it and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins today. God, I believe that you sent Jesus, your son, to live the perfect life that I should have lived. And on the cross, die the sacrificial death that I should have died. And three days later, you raised him from the dead so that I could have not only forgiveness of sins, but new life in you. Lord, I, I, I proclaim Jesus my Lord today and ask you to not only forgive me, but make me new. 
Show me by your word how to love you and follow you from this point forward in obedience and faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is that you prayed that prayer. God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in a community of faith with other people who love and fear the living God. And secondly, let me pray for those of you who've already been walking with him, but say, God, I want you to fill me, baptize me, immerse me in your spirit that I might, as the scripture says, do the works of God, being a witness to not only your life transforming power, but also your compassion, mercy, and love through the power of signs, wonders, and miracles that declare the resurrection of Christ. If that's you, let me pray for you today. Almighty God, I pray for my brothers and sisters and right where they are, even as you met the disciples on the day of Pentecost in the upper room and you filled that place with a mighty wind and that flames as like fire came and rested on the disciples and that they were released in the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be able to be powerful witnesses of your sinless life your death, burial, and resurrection. God, I pray you would fill my brothers and sisters today that they might be witnesses for you, proclaiming your good news by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that great testimonies would come out of this time as they begin to follow you in a new way as they cry out for more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue to talk about these things in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet been able to find one, please do visit our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you this week, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And please also consider your friends, family members, and co-workers who might need to hear the grace of God and would benefit from you sharing this link with them. Do invite those same friends with you to service next week. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon.